Man, uh, a couple things that were on my heart just this morning, uh, just during worship, is one, I, I just want to invite you, just look around the room for a second. Just look around awkwardly and see everyone else in the room. You know, it, it's, it's actually kind of crazy. There's a ton of people here right now, and you're all just here, sitting down in chairs, listening to some guy talk right now. And it, it's actually really special. Growing up in church, I don't think I realized how special it is that this many people would just show up in a room uh, maybe under a common cause, like to get to know God. But I really believe that, man, when we are functioning as the church is intended, this can be a place where like we feel known, accepted, included, where we feel like we aren't walking through life alone. Like some of you came in here today and you feel alone. And my hope is that in this space that we learn how to walk with each other, how to like lock arms. So if you didn't meet someone today and you wanted to, I just wanna encourage you, go out of your way today meet somebody, like dig in here. If you want to be a part of this family, I invite you, go for it. Get in a volunteer team, get in a house church. Like this thing can take off. If we do this thing together and we're broken together and we go after God together, this, what's happening right now, I'm just convinced is super special, like really, really cool. So hello everyone in the room right now, sitting in chairs, we're together and that's special. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, Second thing that was on my heart and mind is, man, this morning, I just really feel that what we're going to talk about in Romans 6, I was just burdened for, for our perception, our understanding of church and walking with Jesus. I think, I believe, really with, with all of my heart that I can muster up, that God has so much for you. That life with God is deeper and richer and more beautiful than you can imagine. But some of us have been so jaded, we're, we're so scarred or hurt by what we think church is, or we think life with God is, and it's hard to come with an open heart. But I believe today's conversation is just like a stepping stone into like a deep, rich life with God. And it's going to be for those that are here that don't know God, that don't believe in God, and those that have been walking with Him for 30 years. But like, I believe today's going to be an invitation deeper into the heart of God, and that God wants to give you life. Um, and, and today we're kind of talking about, um, we're talking about what I would like to call the upside down kingdom, all right? And I'm calling it upside down because a lot of it's backwards, a lot of the concepts are backwards, but also because of Stranger Things. Have you guys seen that? Like, I don't know, who's seen Stranger Things? Like, shout out, season one was amazing. We're like, no way, is season two gonna be that good? And then we're like, oh my goodness, season two was great, better? We'll talk about it later. In fact, come out to brunch, we'll, we'll talk about it, we'll debate it, I think it was better. Anyway, Stranger Things is great. But, but truly, though, we're going to talk about just kind of the upside-down kingdom, that is the kingdom of heaven. Now, really, it's right-side-up, and we're the ones that got it upside-down, but to us, it feels upside-down, if that makes any sense. If it doesn't, we'll just keep moving on. But, you know, Jesus says some really weird things in his ministry, right? He says, hey, you want to gain the richest of the rich? Give it all away. You want to get rich? Sell it all, right? You want to live? You want life? You want life abundantly? Come and die. It's like, What? What do you mean I want life abundantly to come and die? That is a weird thing, Jesus. That feels counterintuitive, tricky, but okay, here we go. You know, I don't know. But Jesus says things like this. And today we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this invitation to come and to die, to come and to give up the things that hold on to our hearts that we might experience the life of Jesus. What I believe is there's things that we're holding on to, that you're holding on to right now, this morning, that you just don't wanna let go of. And Jesus is like, man, if you'll hand that over, 
And if you'll trust me with that, I'm going to take that out of your hands and I'm going to put something back and it's going to be deeper and more beautiful and more life than you've ever experienced in this moment. That's the promise of Jesus that we're going to dig into. We're going to start in Romans 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. This is the, the word of God out of Romans 6, the Apostle Paul writing this letter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can one who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved, flip page, to sin. (laughs) For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, okay, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me read verse 11 one more time. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let me start. Uh, by talking about just sin, what is sin? That's what I was feeling as I was reading this passage. I'm like, you know what? If you're not from a church background, we're always talking about this sin thing and how you got to die to sin and come alive. And you're like, you know, what, what is sin? Like, what does that even mean? Why do I got to die to it? Is it good for me? Is it bad for me? I don't know, but I, I think it's bad for you. So anyway, sin is basically anything that keeps you from God, right? Anything that takes precedent over God, anything that pulls you away from the presence of God, that is sin, okay? And just a quick story about Christianity in a very compact moment. In Genesis 1, there's this Adam and Eve, or Genesis 2, there's this Adam and Eve couple, these, the first human beings to walk the earth. And uh, they're given the choice to step in obedience with God or to step out of obedience with God and kind of go their own route. Spoiler alert, we're living in the predicament where they chose to go their own route, okay? And sin entered into the world. And it, it kind of stinks because what that means is their decisions really had some consequences on us as humans, right? Like, it means that you and I, we were born into this, like, natural tendency to choose darkness, to choose sin, to choose the opposite of God over God. So that's kind of all of us. We were born into sin, which is kind of a bummer. And if we're not careful, we'll be like, man, well, I'm, I'm kind of a victim in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I didn't do that. I didn't eat a fruit, whatever. Adam ate apple, pear, orange. I don't care what it was. I didn't need it. Why am I suffering from it? But truthfully, if we're all being introspective, looking into our own hearts, we all have a natural tendency to have an affinity for darkness over light, right? We all have this tendency. On our best days, maybe we can argue, hey, hold up. I'm not so sure about this sin thing. I'm pretty sure I've conquered this. But on our worst days, we become very, very apparent. It's very apparent that like, oh, okay, never mind. I see my brokenness. I see my, my love for darkness. And I see my love for making things more important than God. If we just look around at our culture, we see the things that we uplift oppose the ways of God. So it's not just that we have an affinity for darkness. We even love putting things above God. So that presents a real problem for us 
that leaves us in a tough spot because God is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He runs the world. He runs the universe. He runs it all. And God, not knowing sin, not knowing darkness, cannot be in the presence of sin. And us, being sinful people, now have a a real predicament. We have this gap between us and God that we can't do anything about. Our hearts are low-key, and this story does get good, spoiler alert, but let's sit in the gloom and doom for a second. Our hearts can't help but choose darkness and sin. Let me, can I be transparent with y'all for a second? Can I give you a glimpse into my life? Can I get head nods? Because I'm about to actually get transparent. All right, look, I used to love cigarettes, all right? Used to smoke them all the time. I've been clean for like six years, but I'm just telling you, can I get more head nods that you're still accepting me? Don't give me those cold stares when I'm talking about my love for cigarettes, all right? I'm being real with y'all. Respect that, okay? No, please do. I need it hum- humbly, Grace. All right. I used to love them. Marlboro menthols, my jam. <laughs> Loved them. Loved the feeling. Loved the smell even. It was weird. And I thought about that as I was thinking about our love for death. Because I'm like, what are cigarettes? If you really think about it. It's like, you don't ever hear about someone going, oh, I think I'm going to go vegan for a little bit and pick up smoking. I'm just trying to watch my health, right? It's like, that's never true, right? The tribute to, and if you smoke cigarettes, I'm with you. I used to, I'm not judging. That's cool. That's, that's cool. But I'm just saying, cigarettes aren't very good for you, right? They kind of like go, hey, you know that's killing you, right? Like slowly, but for sure, that's not good. That's kind of humanity. That's kind of our impulse. We're like, hey, I just kind of want to choose death. We find so many different ways to do this, you know? If I set a cup of salt water right here, I'd be like, I'm pretty sure that dehydrates me, which is not what I want. But if I go like an hour or two without water, I'm like, but maybe it like 30% hydrates me though. Like sure, the salt will like counteract some of it, but there's water in there too, so maybe it'll hydrate me, right? I'll talk myself into it. Okay, I'm gonna try some. And then I'm, I'm dead apparently after I drink salt water. <laughs> but it's been like seven days maybe instead of like two hours. Anyway, we have this affinity though. We have this thing where we even talk ourselves into. We defy logic and go, I know that's bad for me, but is it though? And we talk ourselves into it. That's us, all right? That's the gap between us and God. We can't help but choose things that separate us from a perfect and holy and righteous God. So we got a real predicament. Here's the good news, okay? God sees the predicament, sees the gap between God himself and a sinful people, and he becomes man. This is the story. This is God's reaction to us being unworthy and and, and not good enough, right? Since Jesus, in flesh, lives the human life. He lives in our brokenness. He lives in our temptation. He knows every bit of it. He understands, he identifies our experience. Only something's very unique about Jesus. He does not dabble in the darkness. He does not dabble in sin. He stands above it. And this is an amazing story about Jesus. He takes on the cross. He's murdered unjustly, but by his own choosing to become sin for us. He took a punishment that we deserve. We're the ones that created the separation from God. But Jesus said, hold on one second. Let me stand in that gap, spread my arms, and be the bridge that gets you from point A to point B, life without God to life with God. He dies a death that we deserve. He's buried for three days, which is pretty good insurance that he did actually die. Three days later, he resurrects from the dead. That's a big deal, okay? He resurrects from the dead to give us life and victory, not over just death, but over any sin, any pain, any shame, any chain that might, that actually rhymed really well. Any pain, any shame, any chain, any, no, all right, I got distracted. I'm sorry. This is such a good word about Jesus, man. So Jesus resurrects and he delivers us. When he resurrects from the dead, he now claims permanent victory over sin and over death. 
anything shackling you down, anything that you feel like you, don't break, you can't break free from, Jesus in his resurrection has given you power by his spirit to overcome those things, whether you know that or not. And so for a moment, since we're going to have a baptism gathering tonight at 7, I want to look through the imagery of baptism and talk about Jesus' invitation to die, to be buried, and to resurrect. I want to look at that through the lens of verse 11. There's an invitation to die, to be buried, and to resurrect. So Jesus says, come to me. Anyone who loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Life with Jesus is a life that comes to him with completely open hands, that does not seek to hold on. We don't give him 70% of us, right? You can't like 60% die, fair? You're either 100% dead or you're 100% not dead, right? But Jesus says, hey, when you come to me, when you come in my presence, you come and you give it all away. It reminded me, I've got this uh, essential oil diffuser, all right? I told y'all last week, I love essential oils and y'all accepted me, just like you accepted the cigarette thing. So we're just gonna keep walking together and loving each other in honesty and integrity and transparency. I got this essential oil diffuser, all right? And uh, I gotta replace the water every day. So I use like a blue Solo cup. I didn't actually use this for a prop. I was just drinking out of it. But it looks a lot like this, all right? I put the water in there and then I go to my diffuser, you know I'm saying, replace the water. Anyway, a lot of times I put too much water in the blue Solo cup, so I have some water left over, set it down. I diffuse all night, my allergies are gone. I feel great in the morning. The next night, I gotta go reload, right? Gotta go reload the water. And I go to use the same water I had from the night before, and then I look in it, and I don't know if y'all's rooms are like dusty and stuff, but mine is, because the cup has like hair and stuff in it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I must be like really dirty, <laughs> like, that's gross. And uh, what I realized was I-, I needed to stop reloading with that water, because I looked at my diffuser and I was like dusty and stuff, and I was like, oh shoot, I thought I was like breathing in, you know, doTERRA's breathe easy, but instead I was breathing in like dust and hair, and that's disgusting. So I realized that if I want clean water, I can't use yesterday's water. I had to dump it out and refill it with clean, right? And I couldn't just add clean to the dirty because in essence, that's still dirty water. Yet so often, when we're talking about life with Jesus, we don't want to bring him all of us, right? But the thing about Jesus is when he says come and die, he's like, hey, you got to empty yourself. You got to let go of everything before I can actually fill you up, right? Like one drop of poison ruins the whole barrel. So we got to work with the empty barrel so Jesus can put the living water in. Does that make sense? And so I felt like, you know, this, this is an invitation into baptism. So it feels like This is only for people that don't yet believe in God. But man, my heart was actually extra burdened for the Christians in the room. Because right now, maybe we've forgotten what we signed up for with life with God. And there's just things that we're holding on to or they feel are holding on to us. And we've stopped bringing them both hands. And we say, God, here's all this, but let me just hold on to this right here. Like, you can take this, redeem this, renew this, bring life to this, but this, I'm going to keep this. This pride, this lust, this addiction, this sin, this darkness, I'm going to hold on to that. You take all that. But the deal with Jesus is, man, he must empty you to fill you again, right? I've been, uh, I've been working on uh, 8th Avenue South. That's where the Ethos office is. And uh, there, there's a lot of construction, a lot of property being, brought, uh, being bought. And uh, I, I learned something, you know, when, when a building, an old building gets bought and someone wants to come and put a new building on it, Guess what happens to the old building? What happens to it? They tear it down. That's what I'm talking about. They tear it down. It actually takes a long time. They've been like tearing down this one building for like two weeks. I'm like, is it that hard? Just like knock it over. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, they've been knocking down this building with the idea of they got to rebuild on top of it. I'm stressing a point that's pretty obvious, but I hope you understand. Like 
In order to build a new structure, the old structure has to be removed. That's what Jesus wants to do with you. And there's some things that you're holding on to right now that you don't want to bring before Jesus, that you're scared to bring before God, that you think is too dark, too shameful, too whatever. But I'm telling you, until we bring and posture our heart with completely open hands saying, you can have it all, Lord. He cannot bring the life he is promising you, right? We have to bring it all. So there's this invitation in this upside down kind of kingdom to come and die, but it is not so you stay dead. It is so he can fill you with life and life abundantly. So there's this moment when you're baptizing somebody, and uh, at least when I'm baptizing someone, maybe you're baptizing someone in this scenario as well, but just picture it with me. I stand with somebody and I'm like, hey, do you believe that Jesus has come, lived a perfect life, died, resurrected for you, uh, and that in him you have forgiveness of sins and freedom from death? I do. That's what the person said. That's good, because otherwise I wouldn't be baptizing you. And then we, we dunk him. We go, hey, you are dead to sin. Hold him underwater for only like a second, because otherwise they might panic. Bring him up. Alive in Christ. All right? So we've just talked about the death to sin part. But here's what I love about the beauty of baptism that I really never got in like this past year. What gets to live underwater? And it, like how long can you live underwater? And don't hit me with like a submarine thing, all right? I'm not talking about if you're in a submarine or you're scuba diving. I'm saying if you don't got any gear or no technology and you're underwater, how long can you really live, right? Not very long. Is that fair, logical? I love this about baptism because the invitation to come and die is this invitation for the sins and the shame and the things that hold you down, they are as dead as you would be if you stayed underwater. It's this guarantee, just like Jesus stayed in the tomb three days for three days, and three days later it was like, look, we know he's dead. That is for sure. Three days is a long time. That is the same kind of death that your sins go through. That's the promise. The sins and the shame that you've experienced, Jesus says, you come, you let those die, I promise you, in this life or the next, they are dead. They are gone. They have no hold on you. And then there's that moment, this beautiful, insane moment where you pick the person out of the water and I say, as I'm picking them up, you are alive in Christ. This is the promise of Jesus, that anyone that comes to him open-handed and says, have it all, he will replace the things you've given him, the false imitations, the saltwater versions of life, and replace it with life and life abundantly. Do we know that? Life abundantly. There's this really cool thing that hit me as I was thinking about Jesus coming up out of the tomb and just walking around all fine after being killed, right? He walks around, he meets his disciple, Thomas. Thomas gets a terrible rap. I, I'm not even gonna call him Doubting Thomas. I'm just, he's Thomas to me because all of us would be doing what Thomas was doing. So he's just normal Thomas to me. That's what I call him. I scratch out Doubting Thomas, put it, normal Thomas in my Bible. I did not do that. But he's Thomas, right? Normal Thomas. He sees Jesus, and he sees Jesus reappear. And honestly, Thomas is so stunned by this, he's still not really sure. And I wouldn't be either. He's just like, is this like a hologram like they did with Tupac at that one concert? This is weird, man. Are you? Come on. And uh, Jesus goes, hey, fill my side, right? Fill my hands. Fill my feet. You want a testimony that I actually died and that I'm actually alive right now? Feel my scars. And I love this about the gospel. This is what Jesus does. He takes your places of sin and shame and brokenness. He heals them up and he doesn't forget them. They become a testimony from what you've been delivered from, from the redemption you've actually experienced. I don't know about you, but I've got pain and wounds in my story, so many of them, but I don't live to forget them. I live to testify of what God has delivered me out of. I'm like, hey, no, look, 
Feel this. This addiction. Like, man, I love drugs. I was all about drugs. Feel that. That's real. Not anymore. I'm free. Jesus delivered me from that. I was living in darkness. Now I'm in light. Like, hey, feel this. I love sex. I didn't want to honor the covenant. Man, God delivered me from that. Man, feel this. I loved alcohol. I got arrested. I got plenty of baggage. Like, but God delivered me from that. That is resurrection life, where sins and shame become... become I'm going to mumble the rest of the way, and the Spirit's just going to interpret, and y'all are going to love it. Where, but this is the power of Jesus, where our sins, our shame becomes scars. And why are scars so awesome? Because I got a scar on my finger. I was seven years old. I was cutting an orange with a steak knife. Why was I doing that? I was seven. I was an idiot. I didn't know about life or the functionality of knives. And I was cutting the orange. I cut my finger. That hurt like a mug. It hurt so bad. But right now, if you come up and you touch this scar, it don't hurt anymore. You know why? Because a scar means healing took place. As Christians, my people that know Jesus, who have come from death to life, let your scars show. Let them testify. Man, Jesus promised he would replace death with life, and he did that. Straight up. He has delivered us. I feel so weird walking on eggshells, talking about evangelism. Man, how do we testify? How do we talk about Jesus? Man, talk about what happened in your life. You were really in places of death. You are really in darkness, really alone, really depressed, really anxious. And man, you may still be going through some of that, but you've experienced the glimpses that Jesus has given to you of the kingdom of heaven taking place in your life. Man, testify of that. We don't serve some head knowledge idea that God is good. Like, oh yeah, I believe that because it makes life easy. No, man, I overcame way too much addiction. I overcame way too much hurt and pain to act like he's just some idea I'm trying to convince you of. My life is a testimony of the power of Jesus. Come, come on, come on. That's power. Guys, too long. We're in these seats and we think Christianity is just like, oh, we just Sunday church and we small group it and then we just do our thing. No, no, forget that. Life with Jesus testifies of the real God that really came and is really alive. And this is the invitation. You can trust me with your death. You can. You can trust me with your brokenness. I promise you. It doesn't feel like it. Nothing in culture is telling you to come and die. Come and let go. Come and give up all the ideas of what a successful life looks like. Come and give it up. Nothing's telling you because all you feel is that fear that's going, man, what's going to happen if you give that up? Jesus goes, man, life is going to happen if you give that up. I promise you. And it's not going to look like what you've been sold on, the American dream. It's going to look different, but it's going to be a real thing. You can test that thing, put it to the fire. That thing will last. It will sustain. That is life with God. And I don't know how the heck to make this super practical and give you three next steps on how to like engage with this. But I'm just telling you, I'm just convinced that if we will hold this word dear, do what it says, step into the, the ways of God, that what you think about church, what you may think about Christianity, about who God is, you probably have a lot of false concepts. But if we'll live into this word, man, God will bring you life from places you didn't know life could come from. And the salt water will reveal itself. You'll be like, that's where I was drinking from? I literally look back at the places that I love the very most. I mean, I loved it. No, you do not love partying more than me. You do not. And we can talk this thing out. I promise you, you don't love any of that more than me. And I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I used to find life there. I had no idea I was dying, but I really was. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Like, that's what Jesus does. And it defies all logic. And all I can do is ask you to try it. If the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart, give it a shot. And so as we, as we conclude this teaching, as we go to communion, I just want two things. First, if you're here and you don't know God, and you caught some of that very fast-paced, excited, whatever I just did, 
but you sense the spirit, not me, but the spirit moving in your heart, telling you, take a next step. This is all over the Bible. There's moments where it didn't take a long journey. People just heard the gospel once and went, this is the thing, this is it. If you sense the spirit asking you, it's me, I'm real, this is God, follow me, give me your life. I just wanna invite you, man, follow the Lord. Romans 10, nine says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. That's what we celebrate on baptism night is that you have confessed with your mouth and believed with your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. And if you wanna pray, I promise you I will calm down and we can talk at the respond banner. We've got a pastoral team. I, I really do mean that. Like, I'll, I'll really talk to you. I, I've struggled with so much doubt, so much frustration. Um, I stand here very excited, but um, life is real. So if you wanna talk about anything or pray, um, we'll, we'll have a pastoral team back there, guys and girls alike, and uh, we'd love to pray with you. But if you're here today and you know Jesus, and maybe you've forgotten how good his story is and how trustworthy he really is. And, and there was a time where you had said, hey, my hands are open. But as time progressed, you started to close one of the hands or you started to hold on to some things that you just weren't comfortable letting him have control over. I wanna invite you as you take communion, take some time to reflect, ask yourself, God, what death am I holding on to? What things do I know if I grip my teeth and I'm really honest, you want control of, but I just don't wanna let, I just don't wanna let you have it. That's me. That was me this weekend. I literally had a guy pray for me after I got done talking about God being the king of the world on Friday night. I said, will you pray for me? Because there's an area of my life that I just don't want him to touch. I do not want him to touch it, but he needs to because he will bring life to it. I'm doing death. He will bring life. So Christians, examine your hearts. Uh, God is gentle and loving and gracious, and he will lovingly replace death with life, I believe, every single time. And Last thing, uh, last thing, someone was talking to me after the nine and just talked about how someone came up to them and said, man, this is so hard to do. Oh, man, I, how do I do this right now? And, and they just responded with a really wise word. Man, it's a journey. It is. It, there's gonna be some moments of like just light bulb, switch, everything just turns on, it works out. But some of this stuff is like, man, it's hard. Like saying goodbye to death and hello to life is hard. So God is gracious and patient, but like take a step today. Take a step towards him. So I'm gonna pray, and then uh, we'll take communion together. Um, we've got communion on the front tables in the back. That's open to anyone and everyone. So after I get done praying, I'll invite us to stand up. You can exit towards the middle of your row. Come to the front. The front half can get in front of the front, the back half from the back, um, and then you can return to your seats on the outside and take as much time praying with our response team, the people you came with, or, or just on your own, but I think it's enough. I'll pray, and uh, we'll take communion. God, thank you for today. Thank you for... Jesus, um, Jesus, man, your name, we, we do pray. And uh, you, um, you see our doubt, our skepticism, our, our half-hearted approach to you. Lord, help us. Give us courage to really give it a go with you. And uh, God, where, where this was vague and, and up in the clouds, will you, will you help, Holy Spirit, give practical, clear, here's how I can step into this like today. In the next hour, I can do this thing. Or before bed, I can do this. And God, if... Yeah, it, we want to follow you, um, God, and some of us aren't sure yet, but God, will you just illuminate our path, help us to see what, what's a good next step for us to step into resurrection life. Um, God, help us just, I pray against fear in this space, against laziness, against apathy, against anxiety, against things that grip us and just make us stand still. Uh, I pray for courage and proactivity to step into your presence, Jesus. In your name, we do pray, we worship, amen.